0: You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at Bethelcov.org. Thanks for listening. Would you uh, open in your Bibles to Psalm 22? Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. We're actually, you're going to need your cards. We're going to be jumping around a little bit. Um, But we are going to land on Psalm 22 towards the end. So So if you've uh, been with us this month, you know that we've been uh, talking about um, our experiences going through life's valleys. Um, Times of trouble, times of suffering and setbacks, hurt. Uh, And Sorrow, um, we thought we'd pick something really fun for the summer. Um, And I know I've made that joke like four times now, so... Um, But but seriously, so we we began uh, talking about um, what it means to love our friends and our family members and our uh, acquaintances and our coworkers when they're going through something. Uh, That's what we started. How do we uh, love others well when they walk through valleys? We talked about how uh, we're able to love others well because our hope is in the resurrection. Uh, But we ought to sit and wait with those who walk through valleys until... uh, that resurrection comes. Um, after that, we talked about the reality of uh, uh, will. Our worship leader shared about the reality that sorrow and suffering and valleys in life will come. It's not a question of if you'll face something. It's a question of when or how often or what. Um, but we all face valleys in this life. It's just a part of life, and when they come, the question isn't whether or not we'll face uh, sorrow and valleys and suffering. The question is, what will we do having faced them, and where will we hold on? Um, After that, we we talked about what does it mean to to suffer well. Um, Molly and Rick and Wanda shared experiences of sorrow and suffering uh, right up here last week, and, and what they learned about what it means to follow God in the middle of something, what it means to be comforted by the Holy Spirit, what it means to not forget about other people. And, and if you're anything like me, um, this has been a difficult few weeks at Bethel um, because it's hard to hear um, stories of suffering and, and sorrow. Um, it's hard to, um, <laughs> to walk through valleys. Um, And I think that my problem is that I prefer, when I'm facing sorrow or struggle, I prefer to to whistle through valleys. Uh, When I go through something, uh, even as a pastor, uh, my first reaction, and maybe you're not like this, but my first reaction is to try and convince myself that it's really not so bad. (laughs) Right? Um, You know, find a band-aid solution to the problem or at least find a way to move on quickly. And, and I'll confess, I'll be honest, that even when um, people I care deeply about go through something, that's my knee jerk reaction is to find a way to, to whistle through, to move past, to keep going. Um, when tragedy strikes, if you're anything like me, and, and I think many of us struggle with this, that's what makes it so hard to talk about valleys. Um, if you're anything like me, when tragedy strikes in our lives, or in the lives of somebody we care about, um, we tend to do what um, our politicians often do. We, we tend to offer our thoughts and prayers, right? Uh, and and we mean that, and we care, but but oftentimes we say, you know, oh, you know, I'm praying for you, and it's a way to kind of step past the situation and, and keep going. We wanna move on quick. We wanna feel uh, better soon. And, and maybe we even think that's what we're supposed to do when we go through Something. Um, so, so this sermon series for me uh, has been incredibly difficult, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's been a little uncomfortable for you as well to to come here and worship and then spend time honestly talking about hurt and trouble. I think it's um, it's hard because in focusing on valleys, um, we're doing something we don't usually do in church. Like we like to to whistle through the valleys, not look at them. Uh, and and frankly, um, at, at the church, we kind of we make this worse a little bit. If you if you're like me and you read kind of devotional books, like devotional books are great, but their job is to take scripture and find a way to make it inspirational for you for the day, right? Uh, you'll never find your verse a day calendar uh, talking about the hardships of of life, right? We want something encouraging. We need something encouraging, and that's. And that's great. But the problem is that when the only way we encounter God's word is through inspiring Bible verses and uh, devotionals that, are, that always bring a nice resolution to the story, um, we start to think that the Bible is just full of that stuff. Um, we start to think that it's, it's not okay if we're somebody who follows God to deal with the other side. If we're not constantly smiling and, and spouting out beautiful devotional words and, and encouraging words, we start to think that maybe we're losing Connection with with God. Um, The problem is when we're only willing to talk about the positive, we start to think that when we're not feeling positive, when we're not inspired, excited or full of joy and peace, that maybe God doesn't have much for us. Besides an encouragement to, to trust and keep your head down and not let it bother us, you know. And, and this works sometimes when we go through stuff. It works, you know. If, if it's small, uh, oftentimes we can get through the hardship of life, um, you know, um, praying for healing, hoping it'll get better, and, and whistling through the valleys. But the sad thing is the reality of life, as, as Will talked about when he was up here, is sometimes, uh, no matter how hard we pray, it doesn't get better, Sometimes we lose our friend or family member. Sometimes that natural disaster destroys our home. Sometimes terrorists attack. Sometimes our prayer doesn't come true and the situation doesn't seem to be improving. And it's in those times, if we're only ever uh, talking about the encouragement, if we're only ever allowed to talk about the joy and the excitement, um, we have no idea um, what to do Uh, It's in those times, we better have a faith that's bigger than, don't worry, everything will be okay. A response that's bigger than a casually tossed off, uh, my thoughts and prayers are are with you. Well, fortunately for us, um, God and and his word in scripture, um, God is not afraid of of tragedy. He's not afraid of sorrow. If you read the Bible, you'll discover that, that it's not surprising to scripture that stuff happens. God is not afraid of our doubt. He's not afraid of our anger. And he doesn't look away from our tears in discomfort. He doesn't pat us on the back and encourage us to pull yourself together. No, he draws near to the brokenhearted. And in his book, uh, scripture uh, is, is just full of evidence of that. I think the Bible is far more honest with us about the valleys of life than we are. It's full of people uh, and their stories approaching God in the middle of the worst circumstances imaginable, in the middle of trials, and unthinkable tragedy, unanswered prayers, and anxiety and fear. In fact, uh, this book is so committed to being present with the brokenhearted. Uh, that if you look at the Psalms, right, in the middle of your Bible, we have a prayer book, right, the Psalms. If you look at the Psalms, um, a third of the Psalms in the Bible are what's called Psalms of Lament. Uh, so, so when God gave us Scripture, and the church is, has held the Scripture, and, and long before even Jesus, when, when God was inspiring the writing of Scripture, and the Psalms were collected, and he was present in their collection. The book of prayer that was given to people who followed God throughout the centuries, every third prayer in there has to do with lament. Every third prayer in there has to do with something hard. Those moments when, when life seems impossible. Uh, and, and as we were getting ready to talk about what does it mean to pray through life's valleys, uh, that's where I started this week. And I just sat down and I started looking up every psalm of lament in, in the psalms. Uh, and, and it's amazing to me. I tried to kind of find one that I like really liked and that we should focus on, but, but they were all so good and so, uh, and so specific. And so in a minute, um, I'm going to need your help. That's why you guys have note cards with you, and and I'm really going to need it. Otherwise, we're just going to be here all day. So if you're thinking you can wait me out, I'm a patient man. Um, (laughs) But these uh, prayers, these lament prayers, these psalms are written by people in the middle of the worst things imaginable. Uh, when things are utterly hopeless, when individuals and communities find themselves at the end of their rope, when thoughts and prayers are not enough, so, so when the towers fall, when the police call, when the anchor, the news anchor interrupts the broadcast and there's a pit in your stomach, when we don't have the words to pray, our anger, our fear, our worry, and our lament, the Psalms gives us words to pray. And so uh, as I read through the psalms, I noticed um, almost every psalm of lament has three components to it. Uh, almost every psalm of lament, and they don't always go in this order, sometimes they do, but almost all psalm of lament, uh, almost everything in them fits into these three, three categories. And so I'm going to need your help. Get your cards ready, if you've got them. Uh, and I'm going to need your loud voices. Uh, the first thing that almost every single psalm of lament does is it names what's wrong. And so, what you have in front of you is um, just one line from that particular psalm that names. The wrong. Um, often we want to whistle through our valleys, right? We want to whistle through uh, graveyards. We want to pretend that it's not so bad. But but lament is kind of like confession. It it refuses to ignore and minimize and move on quickly. It refuses to offer uh, you know just thoughts and prayers. Lament names what's wrong. So if you would help me, I just give me a hand. If some of you guys would start shouting out some of those first lines on your card. they will tear me apart like a lion what else we are given no signs from god we'll no none of us know Do you hear that we are given no signs god's people sat down and wrote in the bible <laughs> we have been given no signs from god we don't know how this is going to end what else what other um, laments what other things are named on your cards I lead a blameless life. God, I've done nothing wrong. Why is this happening? I lead a blameless life. What else? Anything else? The, animal, the enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like the long dead. He makes me dwell in the darkness like the long dead. The enemy pursues me. One that I, I got on my card that I took... Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips and harbor deception in their hearts. God's word is not afraid to name what is wrong about life. Uh, Because the people that wrote the Psalms uh, believe that God is big enough to hear their complaint. God is big enough to hear their doubt. God is big enough and loves them enough to hear their anger. Lament is like confession. Whereas confession and confession, we admit the thing that we've done wrong. Lament admits the wrong of the world and refuses to pretend that it's okay. Everyone lies to their neighbor and it's not okay. It continues on. Lament doesn't stop there. Um, and this is this is important. Uh, where it starts with naming the wrong lament, uh, almost none of the psalms of lament stop at naming what's terrible about life. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't give up, even though the lamenter surely wanted to, even though we want to give up in these kinds of situations. Um, lament uh, doesn't stop. It doesn't languish forever in hopelessness. It names it, and then it moves on to a prayer for action. And, and as we read these, you'll notice that, and the one in front of you might be this way too, oftentimes they seem a little extreme in our eyes. I know as I read them, I thought, I don't know how often I pray so specifically to God for his help. Uh, but it, it's a, a prayer, a challenge to God to act, and they, they often sound a little extreme. So would you read some of the hope? Uh, would you name some of the hope in the laments of your Psalms? Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. They're coming. God, save me. What else? Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. Save us. I don't know if anyone has this one, and I can't remember which psalm it is. And it might even be Psalm 12. I might not have put it on the card. Uh, But the psalmist prays, Lord, break the teeth of my adversaries. (laughs) Have you ever prayed for God to break the teeth of your adversaries? That's brutal. And it seems wrong. It feels wrong. What else? Anything else? What other hopes are named? Lord, do not forsake me. You don't write that if you feel like God is right next to you. Some of the Psalms of lament, their hope is so specific and so extreme. God come through and show up and change things. Even when we're at the end of all hope, when we can't possibly think of anything that we could possibly do to make the situation better, lament names hope. It's not easy, uh, and the hopes are are honest in the Psalms of lament. Uh, They don't sound very Christian to me sometimes. They're probably not even good solutions sometimes. But the lamenter doesn't try to pray for something they think is okay to pray for. Uh, like confession, they honestly name what they want God to do. God, step in. Break the teeth of my enemies. When we name hope, we remember that nothing is lost forever, that God can come through in ways that we might hope, but in ways we'd never expect Uh, In Psalm 12, it starts with uh, everyone lies to their neighbor. And the next part says, May the Lord silence their flattering lips. (laughs) But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with the pain. And it doesn't stop with the solution and and wait for God to come through. Lament uh, doesn't leave us alone in honest pain. And it doesn't leave us alone crossing our fingers for God uh, to do something. Um, The one thing that almost every psalm of lament does is it names God. And, and what I mean by that is that it describes who God is. And sometimes, as you hear, it almost sounds like the lamenter, the psalmist, is trying to remind God of who he is so that he'll show up and help. Would you, would you read some of the, the name gods on your card? Dear Lord, I call you, are my God. you are my rock. You are my rock. What else? What else do people call God in the psalms? Firm foundation. Firm foundation. Do you think uh, when the psalmist says, Lord, you are my rock and my firm foundation, do you think uh, he, says, he or she uh, says, probably he says that easily? Do you think it comes easily? It's second nature? Do you think uh, they're praying, God, you're my foundation, because they they fully... Totally believe that in that moment. Boy, if you read them, I I don't know that they do. I think part of them is trying to remind themselves that God is a foundation. And though the earth is giving way and the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea, God can be stood on even when it doesn't look like it. Um, This is not, this naming God is not whistling through valleys. It's not saying, well, but I know, I know God is good. I'll stop thinking about the hard stuff. Uh, In naming God and who he is, we remember that he's big enough. We remind ourselves that he's big enough and that he loves us enough to hold whatever it is that we throw at him. We can afford to be honest. We can afford to name the wrong and name the hope because of who our God is. We don't have to pretend we're okay with God. He's not looking for us to say the right words, but to keep the conversation going no matter where we're at. In naming God, we remind ourselves who he is. In our prayers, we remember that even when it's impossibly dark, even when a resolution seems impossible, even when things seem completely broken, God is still God. He still cares, and he can and will bring redemption and healing to broken people and broken places. And when we're going through something in the valley, it's hard to believe that sometimes. And so throughout history, uh, Christians and uh, Jewish followers of of God, uh, God's people throughout the centuries, have read these prayers, have read these prayers as a way to uh, name what's wrong, but also to remind themselves when they need a reminder that even when things seem broken, God is there. He cares and he will bring redemption and healing to broken places and people. As, um, as Jesus hung on the cross... Uh, one of the last things that he did, uh, and, and some people go back and forth on what Jesus is actually saying here, but but one of the last things that Jesus says on the cross is, is this. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you turned with me to Psalm 22 um, earlier in the service, you'll recognize uh, what he's doing. Um, Jesus is quoting... Uh, He's referencing the first line of Psalm 22. What what does it say? What's the problem? What's the wrong? In Psalm 22, verse 1. Who will read it for me? My me. me? my My friends, if Jesus, God made flesh, who came and hung on the cross willingly to die on our behalf. If Jesus doesn't whistle through valleys, who are we to do that? Do we really think that we're supposed to be stronger in sorrow than Jesus himself? Do we really think we have to pretend we have it more figured out than God's own sons? My friends, as Jesus hung on the cross and died in our place and rose again... He did so that evil and sin and death might be defeated in him. He died so that we could draw near to God with our lament, to pray honestly with him in the good times and the hard times with confidence as sons and daughters. Jesus rose again so that we might rise again too. And if you accept what he did for you, you can approach his throne with boldness, And place your ultimate hope in the resurrection of the dead, the wiping of every tear, and the renewed creation that Scripture promises. My friends, if if you take anything for this month together, as we've heard stories, as we've talked about walking through valleys, as we've come to Scripture together, and, and nothing else, I hope that this is something you grab onto today. That God is big enough for your pain and your anger and your hurt and your doubt and struggles, that God is big enough to work in impossible circumstances, that God loves you enough to hear how you're really doing, that you don't have to fake it with him. My friends, if you do anything differently in light of God's word today, uh, my hope is that when God asks you how you are, you don't just say, fine, fine. God cares where we're at. We can't lie to him anyway, so we might as well come to him with whatever it is that's happening. Today, as we um, close this service, as we sing our closing song, um, we're concluding our sermon series on time in the valley, on suffering. and. And so what I want you to do, um, if you've been with us this month, um, you've heard stories, and maybe you've remembered things that you've gone through, or maybe you've noticed that you're in the middle of a valley right now. Maybe you're carrying on your shoulders right now the hurt of other people, people that you care about. Um, And I thought as we finish this time in valleys, that we might pray to God our own laments. And so what I would invite you to do as we move into our closing song, as we conclude our time, uh, I'd invite you to take a pen in front of you and take the back of your card and write your own prayer of lament. Uh, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to use the fancy words that, are, um, that God inspired in scripture. We won't put it in a book. Uh, but start by naming the wrong. Maybe there's something that has just been weighing heavily on you and you you don't know what to do. Maybe you're in the middle of something and just write a word about what's wrong. Maybe it's somebody you care about that's going through something that you know is not fair. We're going to take a moment to name before God the wrong and and write that on the back of your card. When you're done with that, name the hope. And again, it doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be... uh, Uh, perfect words. Just say, God, come through. And maybe that's all you can say right now. But name the hope. Ask God to step in. Don't be afraid to ask him. And finally, uh, the last thing I want you to write on your card is, is naming God. Remember a time that God came through for you. God, because you're a God that sees me, Because you're a God that's my rock. Because you're a God that helped me in this area or that area. Whatever it is, name God. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a minute as we sing our our final song to to write out this this prayer, this prayer of lament specific to whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that's been weighing on you heavily as we've been talking about this stuff and looking at this stuff this last month. And when you're done, what I want you to do is, is fold it in half and just come forward as we're singing our closing song and just, and just drop it in, in this bowl. Uh, so when you're done, when you're ready, just come forward and drop it in this bowl. And together, um, we're going to offer up our lament. And as we sing our closing song, uh, we're going to conclude it as all of our laments are placed in, in that bowl. We're going to conclude it by naming God together for who he is. Uh, and remembering that we don't have to be afraid to look at the hurt and the pain in our lives and the lives of others because we have a God who's bigger than anything this world can throw at us. Name the wrong, name the hope, and end by naming our God who's a place of comfort and resurrection and rescue in all of life's dark valleys. Would you pray with me? Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.